Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. I'm Ben Glixman with my tag team partner, Matt Story. And the world of sports just keeps rolling on. So we're going to pause our continuing review of historic ASU seasons and yes. pivot back to what's going on today. Yes, yes. And uh, Which, uh, we didn't talk about this before we started, but we had two champions crowned yesterday, college baseball and the NHL. Yeah, so so uh, our summer sports season is you know, pretty much coming to an end as far as championships go. Yeah, so the avalanche uh, end or don't end the Lightning Dynasty, depending on which quote you read and which headline. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's always that, pre- like, I don't know, we don't we do not do this as much with hockey, social media talk, which, thank God for hockey that they can say that. But, you know, like, uh, the same stuff was said, you know, when the, when the Lakers would not win a title or the, or the Warriors, you know, oh, they didn't win, they're done, like, We'll see. I mean, hockey's different. Uh, the cap makes it very difficult to keep something going. So three straight years in the finals and two titles is pretty amazing. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, the Avalanche were one of the best teams all year and, and uh, pretty impressive run. They, they won all four series on the road. So, you know, that's that's tough to beat. Yeah. Um, you know, the Avalanche it improved to 3-0 and in Stanley Cup yeah. finals, which... I did not know that. They said that last night, and I was like, God, I would have thought, with how good they were in the you know 90s, early 2000s, I thought they were in more than two Cup finals. My, my memory played tricks on me, I guess. It's it's just, you assume Joe Sackick was around forever, so they must yeah, have Yeah, been... I mean, and Sackick and Forsberg, Patrick Waugh was like, they were, you know, I mean, I, and I bet, I, didn't, I haven't looked, but I bet you they were in a lot of conference finals, um, mm-hmm. you know, because it felt like they were always deep in the playoffs, and, and I mean, two cup finals in a, what, a few year stretch is, is nothing to sneeze at, but I was a little surprised to hear this was only the third time they were in the Stanley Cup finals. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the other thing you alluded to, Ole Miss goes yeah. goes into Omaha as the what last team in pretty much. I think. Uh, I mean, I don't know if they specifically say, but they were. I know they were one of the last four into the field as an at-large. Uh, a mm-hmm. weird season. I mean, I don't. You know, neither one of us follows college baseball intensely, but I remember in March, they early March, they were number one in the country, and they were playing Tennessee who I think was like number two or three. And it was, you know, it was a big series. Tennessee, I think, swept them. And and that kind of started their free fall, you know. But then when I watched the selection show, it was like, oh, Ole Miss barely got in. I'm like, wow, weren't they number one in the country? Yeah. So, you know, it was like if you you looked in early March and then you just looked up in late June, you'd be like, well, yeah, no big deal. They were number one. They won the title. But uh, it was was quite a, a path to get there. Yeah. It's but good uh, for them. Yeah. Hotty toddy, baby. It, it's exciting. You know, they're, the college baseball world, to bring it back to ASU, which is, I think, the only thing I can do. Yeah. Um, the college baseball world seems to have a lot of parody. Like, you can get back and get big quickly. You can. You can. Well, and, and you know, baseball's a sport. We see it in Major League Baseball, too. Um, that, you know, you have, you have fluky results and I don't want to say Ole Miss winning is a fluke. I'm not saying it is or isn't, but it's just like, you know, how many times during the course of a major league season do you see a team that's last place, you know, win a a three game series over a team that's in first or second place? It happens a lot because, you know, you get a good pitching day, you get, you know, whatever. 
Now, over the course of 162 games, the you know cream tends to rise to the top. But you know, baseball postseason, you get you know a regional that's double elimination. You get a best of three super, and then a college world series, which is essentially a combination of of both. You know, the four team group double elimination, and then a best of three mm-hmm. series. You can have a team get hot, and that's that's exactly what happened. They they got hot at the right time and you know, swept through the Miami regional, beat Arizona. Always like that. They knocked out Arizona, and then. Uh, you know, two shutouts in the Super Regional on the road. It didn't didn't allow a single run in two games. And then uh, only one loss in Omaha the whole time. I mean, like, pretty amazing run. That they, they took one loss the entire postseason after, I think, at one point they were 7-14 and 14 in the SEC or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and, and, you know, back-to-back for the state of Mississippi. I, I know their fans of the respective schools aren't thrilled by that, you know, like they, they don't root for each other, which I respect. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of cool, you know, like uh, two two schools that you wouldn't think of as baseball powers necessarily. However, we should know, you mentioned parity. There's there's parity in the SEC. I don't know if <laughs> that parity might not go outside the SEC. Did you see, speaking of that, did you see the story about the Twins pitching coach yeah. going to LSU first for the time, same job? First time, uh, according to Jeff Passan, that a coach has left the majors midseason to take the same yeah. job in college. Same job and and a huge pay raise. Mm-hmm. He's making more than more than double what he made with the twins. So like I mean, we, we talked about this either last week or the week before that, you know, the, the money from the SEC football you know filters down to the other sports. Boy, you, you can't get a much better example than that. The ridiculous amount of money they have to spend on their other sports and it's just like you mentioned seeing it through the filter of ASU, and I agree. You know, like you almost just think, like how how can the Pac-12 teams compete right now? It feels like they can't. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, they they can't. I mean, it's just it, it's it's you you can, but you're you know to use the old you know you're bringing a knife to a gunfight. Uh, you you might be able to win one or two here and there, you know, but like. The odds are against you when you just, I mean, what was it? I think last year, didn't Arizona make a college world series? And and then their head coach leaves to go to LSU for a ton more money. I mean, we just saw it with our softball team. Like, it's it's hard to keep people in the fold when, you know, equal jobs are paying you a lot more money. Like, it, it's difficult. Unless you have an allegiance to that particular school, you're probably going to take the more money. So... Speaking of this, because I think this is relevant, according to uh, On3 and Jeremy Crabtree, yeah, Jaden Rashada, who just committed to Miami, yeah. got a $9.5 million NIL deal from a Miami booster named John Ruiz. He turned, Which is, he's the one who's, who's already been in like the yeah. NCAA's glare, right? Yeah. He turned down a reported $11 million offer from Florida's Gator Collective. Yeah. Both of which far exceed the $8 million deal for Tennessee commit Nico Ayamaleava. Good job, man. I think you, I think you nailed that name. I, I thought it through very carefully. And it's I something did. like that. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's confusing. It's one you got to say over and over again. Um, but that is... You know that we're not going to do that. 
We apparently. No, we're not. No. We need no. David Spade and Jimmy Kimmel to really, <laughs> really want to support ASU athletics. Yeah, yeah. Now, I do wonder, you know, I've thought about this, and I'm sure other people have said it too, but I wonder how accurate these numbers truly are because, you know, like we think about think about the NFL and how many times, and we end up finding out the real numbers because the contracts have to be filed officially. But, like, it's about 100% correlation that the original number reported for a contract is not what they're actually getting. You know, there's there's caveats, there's, you know, voids, there's all these things. And so th- there's no official reporting of any of these NIL deals, I don't believe. Like, you know, you don't yeah. have to file them with the NCAA. So isn't it easy to kind of blow smoke and say, you know, ah, we, we're giving this guy $9.5 million And, you know, maybe... I mean, is some of this incentive-based? Did they agree to give him $9.5 million if he wins four Heismans? Well, and is I, it I don't across, know. Uh, is it across three seasons, four seasons? Right. Is it for right. the duration is, of his college it, career, period? Yeah, is it based on staying at Miami? Is it based on – I mean, you got to think people – people don't – I mean, rich people, well, people in general, but people who've made a lot of money, they don't necessarily love to just throw it down the toilet, generally. Yeah, that's how they've made a lot of money, and so you got to think that people who are doing this are putting in safeguards of you know, hey, if you're not the starter, or if you're not an All American, or if you leave to go to another school or whatever, that you're not getting that. And again, I mean, that's what I mean. Like, it's just we're in the wild west right now, where there's no official contracts that we know of. I mean, I'm sure there are contracts, but we don't see them filed with the players association like we do with the nfl or nba so i just i wonder if some of these numbers are inflated to the point that they're they're patently false but nonetheless i mean it you know it's it's certainly notable and um you know it's uh, miami is is not in the sec uh but you know they're but they're, they're apparently dedicating a lot of money to football now they, they've decided to go all in with with spending money well between the coach hire and right now this sort of things right right you know so we'll see we'll see how it pays off um i mean the, the correlation generally is there if you spend money you win um maybe not a national championship but you you become very competitive uh, you know i mean and you're right that's the thing with asu and you know again thinking about baseball where we have been that kind of program and you just think like can we be better than we have been? Yes, I think so for sure. Um, but, man, can we get back to the level that we were even, you know, 10 to 15 years ago with Murph? It's an uphill battle when you just don't have the, the financial resources that, that uh, you know, 20 or 30 or whatever number of schools have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, we're just not going to be good. We need to try to well, focus on finishing second or third in the conference. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not I, like I said. I, you know, I'm. I think you can still you can win a national championship because you know we we saw you know like Ole Miss and is a great example. Fresno State the year they beat us and they were you know a four seed and a regional and and beat you know a whole bunch of really good teams. You know, you can get hot and potentially win one, but can you be a year in year out top flight team? No. I don't know. It's tougher. <laughs> I mean, it just is. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I mean, 
you know, we added a second recruit that to give you some context of how it's going for us, we added a second recruit. Totally. For football? Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, that's that we we uh we doubled our class. So there you go. It was a big week in the commitment <laughs> world. Yeah. I guess. Which maybe transitions us into our next topic. What are the one of the most high profile commitments that we've been waiting for? Who, Not ASU. Who you can ho- only imagine got a hundred million dollars if he wanted. But Arch, if he wanted, yeah, Arch I don't Manning, know. Who decided to announce his commitment with his first and I believe still only tweet? Only tweet, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's a, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I guess as time goes on, if he is the, well, and I guess we should we should probably say his name. I don't think we've said his name. Arch Manning is is who we're discussing. If anybody's actually listening to this, um, and he's going to Texas, which is exciting and also some trepidation on my part, um, but. You know, like, is he is he truly the, you know, like, I don't want the attention humble star that it seems like he is, or will fame kind of change? I mean, fame usually changes people, um, and if he has fame, we'll, we'll see, you know, but uh, he's certainly taken a different approach than a lot of high-profile recruits. I, there, there's no other way to say that. Like, he, he didn't, you know, do the, the graphics of his top 15 and his top 12 and then his top 8 and have a hat announcement and he just he's kept it pretty low profile given that that's hard to do in this day and age well and they as a family decided that they were not going to be public about much of this right process, right you know? right you know very different uh uh i mean he rarely rarely does interviews he's not active on social media um it, you know it's 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 interesting because look you know i love the mannings but one cannot argue that I mean, the Mannings have embraced attention. Peyton's out there. Eli's out there. Archie's been, you know. So it's not like the Mannings are a, you know, hey, let's let's hide from the public kind of family. They're not. But they've clearly taken the approach with this kid. And I think it's wise that, like, let him let him be a kid. You know, mm-hmm. we do, he doesn't need to become a celebrity at age 15 or 16. There's, there's time for that well, if and, he wants it. And his recruitment appears to have harkened back in many ways to the old-time style, which is his best friend is the tight end on the team. Well, Texas got a yeah. commitment from him. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, and that's kind of, you know, us with Derek Glasser and James Harden. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, true. You know, we attempted it when we got Brady Quinn. Not Brady Quinn. Jeez. Um, I wish we'd gotten Brady Quinn. That would have been fun. No, our our Brady um, right, but uh, um, right, Brady White, because uh, his teammate was the receiver who wound up going to Stanford. Right, right, that's true. And, yeah, and we yeah. had tried to get a package deal for them. That's right, Trent Irwin. Right, yeah, I remember that right. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. I mean, it's uh, interesting. You know, I mean, it, it'd be fascinating to know, and I don't know that we'll ever know, but like, it just sort of, it sort of feels like he was. He was just interested in Texas from the start, and that I think the you know Sarkeesian, I think he had a bond with him, and and then the offensive coordinator, quarterback coach uh, Milwe, I believe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing mm-hmm. that right. Um, you know that that they just they just meshed. Um, well, and it comes uh, with the added bonus of they're returning to the SEC, so they still get the they family are. legacy SEC connection. Yeah, 
at the very least by his junior year, I guess they're going to be in the SEC. Probably, almost certainly not for 2023, but I guess maybe 24. Um, they'll be there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, so I mentioned I have some trepidation. I mean, this is a classic, like, the news is exciting. And the thought of him playing for Texas, a school that I really love and, you know, love cheering for and have been a fan of for a couple of decades now um, is exciting. I, I have some nerves about it because I don't know if I trust Steve Sarkeesian as a head coach. Um, Texas, the last, you know, 10 or so years has just been full of like false starts and, and, you know, unwarranted optimism basically. Um, and, and left disappointed a lot. So I, I have some fear over how this is going to go. I hope it's the best. Uh, I, I, but you know, would I have felt better if he committed to Georgia? Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. As but, just somebody rooting for him to have success. Uh, you know, like I, I'm not a Georgia fan in the way I am a Texas fan. And obviously if this works and he wins a national title or a Heisman, then it's going to be doubly fun because it comes for a school. I love too. but if it doesn't work, I'm, I'm going to feel it two ways. And that's the disappointing part. So I'm, I'm prepared. The, yes, that's what, that's what happens when you get old, you're prepared for disappointment. <laughs> Especially if you <laughs> spend a lot of time rooting for the schools we root for. Uh, <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I guess that's the, that is probably the nature. Of, like, if something like this had happened 15 years ago, I probably would have been like, oh, this is going to be great. He's going he's gonna to be the man to bring Texas back to the mountaintop. But I have, a, I have more perspective now, and it's like, yeah, I, I see the hype sometimes pay off, and, and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, ASU last year is a perfect example of, like, it's going to be great wasn't great so you know well, this you, leads you learn though, to an interesting uh, another interesting piece of the psyche of arch manning the manning family and i i mean i yeah. saw all the things the re, the recruiting gurus and they talked to the scouts and the reports that mm-hmm. even if his last name was smith he'd still be the number one rated person with sure. just his intangibles and things who knows but, yeah but the fact that he's going to a program that just brought in Quinn Ewers, uh, yeah. who's a local kid who, you know, gamed the system basically to get yeah, NIL absolutely. money two ways. Um, it, it shows like, hey, look, he might be sitting and they might be okay with that. And he's certainly yeah. not afraid of the yeah. challenge. You're right. I mean, it, 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 it does go, it fits what we've heard about his recruitment in general, that he's... He's not, you know, he's not just looking for the highest NIL deal. He's not, you know, looking for the, the celebrity. He wants to go to the right place. And, you know, it, it's a different time. It, it, it must be acknowledged up front. But Eli sat for two years. Eli redshirted and then was the backup as a redshirt freshman. Um, the plan was for Peyton to, to redshirt. Now, they had a weird, you know, the, the opening game, the starter gets hurt. Uh, the, you know, later in the season, the backup gets hurt and, you know, he and another true freshman basically ended up rotating the job the rest of his freshman year. Now, again, that was mid nineties and, and late nineties and times have changed with how you, you know, quarterbacks go about things and all that. I, I get that, but you know, yeah, maybe, maybe, and I could eat these words. You could bring them back and throw them in my face if he transfers after one year, but maybe just maybe like he's not in a hurry. You know, maybe it's just like, hey, I'm, I want to go and I want to enjoy college. And and, you know, and, and if I'm a backup for a couple of years, you know, like I'm sure he wants to play. 
But, you know, we're always in such a hurry. Like, just, just relax. We'll get there. He'll have mm-hmm. time. Yeah. It's, um... It's interesting, right? Because yeah. in our yeah. modern times, it's like, well, if I'm not playing or I'm, you know, other than Jane Daniels going to LSU, there's not, right. it's not often where you see guys leave to say, I want to have a harder or more clogged path. True. You know, play but, time. But yeah. this, is yeah. a, this is a decision that says, I might not play for a couple years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think ideally, if everything goes according to plan, you know, and and that's a big if. Quinn Ewers gets the starting job this year. He has a great year. He remains the starter in 23. He has another great year. He's draft eligible because of the, you know, the fact that he gained the system and, and left high school a year early. So he's draft eligible after 23. He goes in the first round. Everybody says, bon voyage, great two years. And Arch takes over as a redshirt freshman. I think if, if you're if you're Steve Sarkeesian and his staff, that's how you got it on the whiteboard right now. Now, you know, how things actually play out could be a whole different story, but I think that's what you're probably hoping for. Yeah, well, and that would be something. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's funny. I, like, I read, you know, and obviously Twitter is not the best place to source things, but, you know, how many jokes I read about, you know, oh, Quinn Ewers is, is going to be, you know, Quinn Ewers hosted him on his visit. And, and, you know, so like if Quinn Ewers really didn't, didn't want Arch Manning there, I don't think he probably would have been, you know, agreed to be his host. And like, I'm not saying they're best buddies. I don't know if they are or aren't, but like, I don't, I don't think, you know, he's like, oh, now I need to leave now. Like, I mean, he, he knew the kid was coming there or potentially coming there. This didn't come out of nowhere. And, and you have to think that Sarkeesian was not hiding it either. You know, no, like, no. I mean, look, it's a pretty active and open recruitment for the number one player in the country. For sure, for sure. And the other places, he, you know, yeah, Ewers has gotten a lot of attention because you know the hair and the going to Ohio State and you know the name and all that. But like, if he'd gone to Alabama, Alabama got a you know a five star quarterback for this year's class. They had a four star kid in last year's class. Georgia has a five star in this year's class. A five star in the class before. Uh, you know, so like anywhere he was going to go, he was probably going to have other really talented quarterbacks on the roster. If he wanted to, you know, be the starter from day one and be the king, he could have stayed in New Orleans and gone to Tulane, mm-hmm. um, you know. But like if you're going to go to a big time place, you're going to have other talented quarterbacks to compete with. And, you know, and, and then you see how it shakes out. Uh, again, we we see it all the time, like. All these guys that are at Texas, I mean, I read the thing, you know, all the, you know, with Hudson Card and Malik Murphy, they blah, blah, blah. There ain't no way all four of them are still going to be on the roster in 23. Not a chance. Mm-hmm. But if you're Texas, you got to get as many as you can so that the ones you do have satisfy what you need at the position. Yeah. And the same for Georgia and the same for Alabama. And, you know, you, you, you throw resources at the position and, and, you know, you know that some are going to leave. And it's just, the way it is, and then some of them end up at ASU, like Paul Tyson and Emory Jones. Yeah, it is surprising. Yeah, I mean it's interesting. It's, how a, it'll, it's how just it'll shake it, out, obviously. It, it's just in the era that we're in now, right? Like this is so. It feels almost quaint 
the the, the whole recruiting process, the, whole the process ending. For him. Yes, yes. And and it's it's you know it's going to be interesting, right? Because this is a kid who this is Andrew Luck levels of expectations. Like, oh yeah, he will be there. Oh, yeah. In, and three years after he finishes high school, he will be the number one pick in the draft, and that is just yeah. presumed right now. It's a it's a difficult bar to reach. I mean, it, it, there's no doubt. Like you know, if if the kid goes through and has, I'm trying to think of a of a you know, he has the career of a, a college career like I don't, I don't know. I'm trying to think. You know, uh, Derek Carr, mm-hmm. somebody like that. Good good college player, second round pick. He'll be viewed as a disappointment. And, and, and that's tough. I mean, unless he wins a Heisman, uh, is a first-team All-American, starts for a national champion, you know, then it's going to be viewed as like, well, he didn't meet the expectations. But that is that is a high bar to reach. And then you throw in the, the name, and that's part of the expectation. Uh, you know, like, well, uh, you know, all you got to do to keep up with your uncles is be the number one overall pick of the draft. Mm-hmm. And, and go on to win Super Bowls and MVPs. And it's like, wow, that's a hard hard to get to but you know hopefully he's going in eyes wide open uh you know i mean i think he i think he knows what what it's about and that's you know he's he's embraced playing football when he could have done something else you know if he didn't if he didn't want that heat he could have played something else he could have done another sport whatever so hopefully he is is not shying away he could have played wide receiver like his dad it could have, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. I mean, and you, you know, you mentioned it's it's quaint. I was going to say, you know, I uh, Cooper Manning, his dad was was on a podcast with Chris Fowler several months ago, and I I don't normally, I mean, I just happened to see it tweeted, so I listened to it, and he said, you know, like we went into this, and I told his his coach, his high school coach, who's been kind of his lead recruiter, he's like, you know, we we want to have this be a 1980s style recruitment, we you know, we want to have things go through the coach, we want to, you know. Keep it and and you know so far and it's I guess it's wrapped up now. They've stuck to that. That's exactly how they've approached it. Mm-hmm. They've they've done a good job from you know because you were out there last season, but it seems to me they've done a good job of yeah. There's all this hype. Yeah, there's all this chaos, but they kind of keep a bubble as best yeah. they can around him. I think so. Yeah, and it's it's a small high school he goes to. It's a it's a very elite exclusive high school um you know so he's not uh he's not you know but that's another thing like i mean you had to think there could have been temptation to have him transfer and go go play his junior and senior year in img or or somewhere big in texas or something like that i mean you know that that could have been there but it's like no you know he's gonna stay there he's gonna play with his younger brother um you know they're not gonna have the best talent i mean you know i saw them play and and they're not that talented they have a few really talented players and mostly undersized white kids. Uh, just factually, that's what it is. Um, but, you know, they're, they're good enough for their division. But, you know, you see them against the best teams in Louisiana, they can't compete. They're just, they're a 2A school, basically. Yeah. I mean, isn't there one, it's like John Cooper Christian or something there? Yeah. That's like yeah. where a lot of LSU kids have gone and things. Right. And I think that's where Joe McKnight went. The, yeah. the old SC running back. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, there's some really good, and, and they don't play those schools on a regular basis because they are in a different division, but like they played, they played a national TV game this year. I know against the Florida team and you could just see it. I mean, I watched it on TV. It's like, they, they don't, 
they don't have the weapons to compete. I mean, they were down, I think, maybe seven at the half. Like, there's no way they can win this game. And they couldn't. I mean, this other team had a running back that just ran circles around them. And, and you know, so, but, you know, again, that's like, enjoy it. I mean, mm-hmm. enjoy being a high school kid. There'll be, there'll be time in life where it's, you know, you got to chase the championship and you got to, you know, that's got to be everything. And, how, you know, it's like, dude, you're in high school. Just enjoy going to school and playing football with your buddies and your brother. And, you know, if your career takes you far enough, you'll have a chance to, you know, win championships. It may not come there. That's okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it's a, you know, it's a thing where as soon as he steps on campus as a freshman, whether that be after you know, the season ends for spring ball or the yeah. next fall. The expectations on him will be massive and the magnifying sure. glass will be in his face the whole time. Sure, sure. So you Absolutely. might as well let him just stay at a place where, like, yeah, look, everybody at the school wants you to win, but, you know, you aside, I'm not checking their box score to see if they win. I don't care. No, yeah. I mean, I've, you know, I follow, I, I've watched their scores and stuff, and they made the state semifinals in their division the last two years. And, you know, it's not like they stink. I don't want to say that. But but I guess, it, you know, it's like, I mean, look, a, another quarterback of this caliber um, has transferred to, you know, Chandler here, Dylan Raiola, Dominic's son. He's the, he's the number one quarterback in the junior class, committed to Ohio State. Played last year somewhere in Texas. Now he's going to play for Chandler. It's like, okay, that's fine. You know, you 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 know, I I get it. But at the same time, I'm like, man, you're in high school. Like, does it does it always have to be about like putting yourself in the best position, or can you just can you just enjoy being a high school kid? And it feels like at least that's the way they've gone about this. Now it must be acknowledged they've got the financial wherewithal to do that. You know, I mean, this kid is not coming from poverty. Uh, he's got plenty of money. He's got a comfortable life. If football doesn't work out for him, he'll be fine. And for a lot of people, that choice is not as simple. So I, I do realize there's a difference there. Mm-hmm. But still, it's just nice to see, like, you know, a 17 year old with all the talent in the world that it doesn't feel like his, you know, family and everybody is just like, okay, we got to, you know, what's the best, best path to get you to being Super Bowl champion? Just like, you know, take it step by step. Maybe you'll get there, maybe you won't, but enjoy life until then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's commendable the way they've handled it. Um, I, I Because like you could it. have let I it mean, go out of control too, but... Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, the world wants that. The world seeks it out. And I'm, I mean, I'm a perfect example. I've gone to see him play. I've, you know, like, I mean... But there's a lot more people who are more into it than me, and yeah, it absolutely could have become, you know, a circus, well, a traveling I, show, basically. Well, and there's a point that you made about his family that I think is important to talk about here, because not every elite prospect player is coming from means where they don't need to just cash in now to help right. their family. For sure, for uh, sure. And I think that's an interesting – I hadn't thought about that, but that's an interesting perspective on how you can run your recruitment this way through the head high school coach and, you know, not sure, really worry sure. about the NIL. Yeah, you know. Absolutely. Money and attention. I mean, that's the other – like a lot of a lot of kids, they, they need to get their name out there 
they use social media to do it. They post their highlights. They, you know, because I mean, what God, how many, how many years ago it was with priest Willis. And we heard the, you know, I'm building my brand and we sort of derided him for it, but it's become more and more true that that's what these guys do. That That's what they're trying to do. And he doesn't have to, the, the Manning brand is already built. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, you do have to, you have to keep that in mind when, when I'm patting them on the back in some ways is saying like, well, okay, you know, they can afford to do this type of stuff because attention was going to find him recruiting attention was going to find him no matter what he's, he's a good quarterback with the last name Manning. Uh, you know, like he doesn't have to market himself to schools. Yeah. So I, I, I don't want this to come across like a all the other recruits are childish losers who crave attention and arches, you know, the, the you know, most humble star. I don't know that he is. I mean, I, I don't know him. I met him one time and he seemed like a nice kid, um, you know, and, and the Mannings I've met a couple times and they, you know, they seem like decent people, but we don't know what they're like behind the scenes. I'm not going to pretend I do. Um, but, you know, obviously they have an advantage or maybe not an advantage, just a different situation than a Jaden Rashada to use the name we talked about earlier. Like, you know, I don't know his family background, but his family probably doesn't have the money that the Manning family does. So if he can make $9 million or whatever it is from Miami, yeah, makes total sense. Get it. Yeah. Anyway, I just, I'm, I'm intrigued by that. It's going to be, uh, you know, going to be fun to follow. Uh, I mean, certainly I, uh, you know, it's one of those that I'm, I'm curious how it all shakes out. And yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been interesting to follow how they've gone about it. Um, you know, the one thing I'm curious, I, I don't expect this, but, and I hope it doesn't happen, but what if Texas has another nightmare season? Mm-hmm. What if things go south? What and, if Dijon stops playing after week two? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, like nothing's final until December. And, and if I'm, if I'm him or if I'm in his corner, I'm saying, you know, okay, great. I don't want to, I don't think he'll just change his mind for the sake of changing his mind, but don't close the door either because last year was a circus for Texas. And, and if 2022 is the same type of circus, you might want to reevaluate. You, know, you might not want to put pen to paper unless you're really a hundred percent sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, he also that, doesn't need it, to sign the financial paperwork because right. he can probably afford to pay his way. Exactly. Too. Exactly. Yeah. So I mean, nothing is nothing is set in stone until he signs that letter of intent, presumably in December. Uh, you can follow this whole season and see how things shake out before you have to make a, a you know firm commitment and so i i think it's a good idea i think it's probably good for him that he committed now because now you can just you know be a senior in high school enjoy your last season uh, you know um and and enjoy that but you know don't totally close the door on other avenues just yet i guess i'd say and and i'm sure the other schools chasing him georgia and the like they won't close the door either i mean that's the thing in recruiting you you lose battles and all of a sudden a guy is back available Texas at Quinn Ewers is a perfect example. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, even after the first year, you call yeah. and ask. Maybe you don't call yeah. him because you probably can't, but. Right, right, right. You know. But 
Yeah, you never burn bridges in recruiting. And, and because, you know, like, yeah, Quinn Ewers spurned Texas. He was committed there. He changed to go to Ohio State. Uh, he leaves early. And like, oh, boy, they let this great Texas kid out. You know, now he's back there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you, you always leave that door unlocked just in case. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know. It's interesting, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's all. It's a whole new world. It's. It's almost like the, uh, you know, Kurt Flood free agency. How it just totally changed baseball. Just completely changed For how sure. it worked. For right? sure. That's yeah. what. Yeah. It, it feels like the first couple of years of free agency is what we're doing right now. Like, yep, I agree. I, don't, I agree. I mean, we, we we're we're learning. Like, is it? Do you want to pay eleven million dollars for a quarterback who's eighteen? Right. You know. Right. How does it work? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, look at look at the money that Spencer Rattler got last year, and it flopped. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like whoever invested in him last year did not get their return on investment. Not yet, at least. So, yeah. I mean, that you're right. That will be the interesting thing to see how. You know, where does this sit in three years, five years? Um, you know, like. I don't know. I don't think anybody knows that answer because, yeah, you, these are the early days of something brand new, both in terms of money and the immediate transfer eligibility happening pretty much at the same time. That is really, you know, completely shaken up how you build a roster in college sports and how you maintain a roster. And, and yeah, we don't know where it's going to land. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it's a crazy time. Which is, it is. I mean, it's a crazy time in a lot of ways, but it's a crazy time to be a fan right now. It is. It is. It's just different. We're, we're having to adapt our mentality. I mean, we've talked about it with ASU and, like, you know, the basketball roster. And, like, you know, we used to have these conversations at the end of the season, and you know, when we were in college or right after college, and be like, okay, here's who's coming back. Here's who might go to the draft. And that was pretty much all we thought about. And, and, you know, and maybe, maybe a guy might transfer if he wasn't playing at all or wasn't getting the minutes. He but wanted. he wasn't a starter. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But now it's, now it's, I mean, you know, we had it this year and it turned out true. Our best player from this year's basketball team, you were the one who brought it up and, and I, you know, and I didn't argue with you. Like, oh, we got to worry about Jalen Graham leaving. Mm-hmm. And, and in the past that would have been a worry because he wasn't going to go good enough to go pro. Yeah. And he was starting and he was a, you know, all conference and you would have thought, Oh yeah, he's coming back. It's like, that's, it's changed. It's just Jaden Daniels in football. I mean, yeah. in the past, there's no way Jaden Daniels would have left. Uh, no chance. He wasn't going to sit out a year, but now it's like, yeah, makes sense for him to leave. Yeah. Well, and it's also, it's like, yeah, I'm starting here, but could I start somewhere better? Right. I, I, you right. Know, it's you know, the, I mean, it's just, it's, it, you know, the immediate it, eligibility is, is I, I don't mind it. I don't dislike it, but it is a, it is a complete game changer when you talk about, you know, college roster and, and movement and all that. that. That's, I mean, Quinn Ewers is a great example. Again, like if he had gone to Ohio state in the past, then yeah, he might've left, but then it's okay. Am I going to sit out a year? Where am I going to go? Do I go yeah. FCS to play right away? Now it's just like, well, yeah, I used Ohio State. I got one year of good coaching. I made a lot of money, and now I'm going back home to play for Texas. Mm-hmm. Well, in ASU, closer to home, Eric Gentry, it's like, well, we're going to build our defense around this guy. Yeah. Like, uh, nah, we're not, because he's going to go uh, play for USC, our yeah, conference yeah. rival. Not only not only leave, but conference rival. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and again, I, like... I don't fault I'm him. Old, <laughs> I don't fault him, and, and I'm not... 
saying it's wrong. It just it's just very different. And it's, there's no loyalty among thieves, and that's kind of where we not. are. And, and you know, do I and, would I like to see some safeguards put in? Kinda, but I don't know how you do that because uh, I also don't want to go back to the old way where it's like, yeah, sorry, you. And, and there is no going back to the old way. Like the the you know, the train has left the station on that. So I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. Well, look, we're gonna have a lot of time to learn all about all. We this are. Stuff. We are. We are. Should we should we quickly quickly touch on the NBA draft before we wrap yeah, up? Yeah, let's uh, let's do that. the The ultimate goal of playing college sports is to play pro sports, right? And for a lucky few, they get to, and for a large majority, they don't. But they still declare for the draft anyway. Yes, yes. Um, which this year was rife with that. So the NIL yeah. did not fix that issue yet. Not completely. However, some some impact. I mean, seeing seeing, uh, and I'm gonna I might butcher his name, but the player of the year, Oscar Sheebway, I believe mm-hmm. is how it's pronounced. You know, national player of the year that was probably gonna be a second round pick coming back to Kentucky. Like, interesting, notable that like, all right, some guys are realizing like, hey, maybe stay in college and be a star and make some money, and you know, all right, it's all right, not not a bad way to go. Yeah. But, uh, you know, chaos at the top. We knew it was going to be three yeah. guys, and we knew Chet Holmgren was going two. Yeah. But it was forever that Boncaro was going to go third. And I go third. To, to and he, refu- yeah. he didn't even interview. He did, did he do, like, one Skype interview and no workout? I guess, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was that was a surprise. Uh, you know, it, it it sort of it sort of neutered one of my one of my points that I was going to make about the draft, which is you know when Jabari Smith was going to be the number one pick, I was even thinking like you know I know he's a good player, but I never watched him play once. Mm-hmm. I mean I saw a little bit of their tournament game when they got eliminated by Miami. That's about it. And now I did see Bancare. I mean Bancare played for Duke, and they were obviously on the radar this year, especially with Sashevsky, and then they made the Final Four. And so you know a little bit, but. Um, Another another one, I mean, first of all, I was shocked to hear and then confirm it was true. It's 13 straight years a freshman has gone number one overall. Did not realize it, was, it had been that long. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't, I didn't realize I that. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah. So then I, I kind of started looking and like, okay, of those 13, how many of them made any real impact in college? Not, not since they've gone pro, but in college. The well, number's not all that impressive. Kyrie did not. Kyrie did not. No, I, w- I would say John Wall did. Yeah, they didn't make the Final Four, but he was really good. And Kentucky was back. You know, that was kind of the mm-hmm. first Calipari Kentucky team. So yeah. I give him that. Uh, Anthony Davis certainly did. Yeah, he was the National Player of the Year, won a national championship. No argument there. Carl um, Anthony Towns. You know, they went undefeated in the regular season, and, and you know he was the best player on the team. And Zion, I would say, certainly did. He was the yeah. Player of the Year. But other than that, not really. Yeah. I mean, you know, Andrew Wiggins didn't really make any impact in college. Right. He had a decent year, uh, you know, yeah. but nothing special. I mean, I've, you know, we've talked a lot about it. You saw him, Ben Simmons. Yeah. No impact in college. Markel Fultz, no impact in college. Anthony well, Edwards, no impact in college. Like, it's yeah. just, it's, it's not good for college basketball, I think, when that's the case. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think you saw the – the shining example of that 
besides all the G League Ignite and Overtime Elite guys, was, yeah. was Shaden Sharp, number seven overall. Yes, yes. And just just didn't play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it makes no impact on their draft status. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, he's it's, a seventh uh, pick. He's, he's mid-lottery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was... There was another guy, I, I God, I can't remember who it was. I think there was a guy picked near the end of the first round, and they said, like, oh, it was the it was the kid who went to Milwaukee. Beauchamp? Patrick Baldwin. No, oh, no, no, oh. Uh, college. Oh, college yeah, Pat, Pat Baldwin. Uh, the, you know, uh, UW-Milwaukee, or now it's just called Milwaukee, right? Yeah, um, Pat Baldwin uh, Jr. You know, played for his yeah, dad, who got dad, fired. Had a totally crap year. Like, I mean, just to, you know, I think they said he averaged, like, three points a game or something like that, like missed most of the season. He's a first-round pick. Like, mm-hmm. All right, yeah, he was supposed to be a lottery pick, and he did go in the lottery, but still, like, okay. I mean, you're basically telling me that what they do in college does not matter at all. No, it doesn't, and that's... It doesn't, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, and, and I, I guess, I mean, if you're the NBA, okay. Uh, but I just, I think that you compare it to the NFL... Those are the two most similar sports in terms of their college and pro dynamic. And, you know, these guys get drafted in the NFL, and a lot of them are already recognizable names. They're marketable names. You know, not just the quarterbacks, primarily. But, but, but you know, Reggie there's, there's, Bush, Orlando Pace, you knew who yeah, he was. Charles yeah. Woodson, you knew who he was. Right. And even now, I mean, like uh, Quentin Nelson from yeah. Notre Dame, you know, an offensive guard. That, that, you know, he got drafted to the Colts and it was like, oh, man, I heard this guy's really good. And, you know, he was, you know, I'm not saying he's, uh, you know, Peyton Manning level of marketability. He's not. But, but you know, like you, you knew something about him. And, yeah, you just like so many of these guys in the NBA, it's like, I, I don't know. I don't I don't really know anything about them right now. And I might know something about them in three years if they get good. But I also might be looking back on Wikipedia in 10 years and be like, man, whatever happened to that guy? He got drafted 20th overall. I never heard of him. Well, and that's the, you know, the Blazers are a good example of that because you've got Shaden Sharp now. Yeah. You've got Anthony Simons, who, you know, this year is supposed to be his breakout year or right. not. Like, if it doesn't happen, you know, it's, it's, he's, they got to make a decision on an extension for him now. Right. So, right. You know, I, I think it'll work, but if it doesn't work, it's like these are two guys who didn't really do a whole lot. Like, no, no, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, it's, uh, I don't know. I just, I don't know how you fix it, and maybe you don't fix it. It, it. Maybe it's just the way it is, but I just, I don't think it's good for the sport as a whole. It's not a bug, to, it's a feature. Exactly. And, and to have such a disconnect when, you know, when that didn't used to be the case. I mean, it, you know, in the in the nineties when we were kids, you know, Shaq was great and Shaq went number one and he got great in the NBA. Allen Iverson was great, he went number one and he was great in the NBA. And Tim Duncan and and Marcus Camby and, and you know, like you saw these guys for Chris Weber. They were in college for multiple years. They were accomplished college players. By the time they went to the NBA, you knew something about them and so you followed them and you got in and and that just doesn't feel that way that often anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't, again, don't know how you fix it. Maybe NIL will help. Uh, I, I think it. I think you see some results of it. Now, you're right. There were plenty of guys who entered the draft. Johnny Juzang from UCLA is one that I, I know I heard, you know, went undrafted. Yeah. Like, man, he's a good college player and 
who knows where he's going to land now? Probably signed a summer league deal or something, I'm guessing. But, you know, like, well, I, will, we, one, ever, will one, we ever hear his name again? I don't know. One time ASU commit Michael Foster, who committed three different places, then tried to go the pro route, undrafted. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just like, there's only 60 picks and so many, you know, guys from overseas and, you know, they get picked now. And like, I, I don't know, you know, I mean, like you're, you're fighting an uphill battle, but again, we, we did see some this year that are like, okay, we're staying in college rather than just going that route. And I don't know if that's going to make them better pro players, but at least it, it keeps them in our consciousness a little longer. And, you know, so now you can watch Kentucky next year and be like, Oh yeah, that guy was the national player of the year last year. And he's still there. I, I think that helps some. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know. It's uh, I watched most of the draft on Thursday night, and it was hard for me to keep my interest. I had it on, and you know I love basketball, and uh, you know it's not like I don't care about basketball. They're just like after the first maybe eight to ten picks, like I don't I don't know most of these guys aside from seeing who the Spurs were going to pick. Uh, and then the other thing is the abundance of trades that can't be made official. So a guy gets picked and you're like, I don't know, is he even going to that team? Half the time, no. Yeah. That that feels like something they could clear up. Take, you know, change the rules. Change the league year. Do something. But, you know, you have a guy get picked by the Mavs, and, well, he's not really going to the Mavs. He's going to the Rockets. Uh, this guy out of Memphis picked him. Oh, I like how he fits there. Well, bad news, he's not going to Memphis. It's like, how can I get into this? I don't even know where these guys are going. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, we we both have a work day ahead of us. We do. So we're gonna we do. have to we're gonna have to put a pin in it here. But we'll be back. We'll talk about that more developments. The NFL's just around the corner now. Yes, it is. Yes, yes. By the next time we talk, it'll be July, which means training camp report days and college football practice. I'm about a month away, and it's it's coming. All kinds of fun stuff. Yep, yep. Until then, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast.